The Restless Heart Podcast, Episode 2, Non-Catholic Dating. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Hello everyone and welcome to the Restless Heart Podcast. Hello. My name is David. And I'm Nessa. So Nessa, what have you been up to since the recording of episode one? I did not go to Mexico. I'm so sorry. Lo siento. I went to uh, St. Anne's Festival and then I went to another parish to celebrate the aftermath or trivia night, <laughs> I guess you could say. How was your weekend? It was great. It was Comic-Con weekend. So I got together with a few friends and we went downtown. We got some food, got some drinks, sat on one of the patios in a restaurant and watched all of the people wander past in their wonderful outfits. Did you see any wonderful stormtroopers? <laughs> Not as many as I expected. So what are we going to talk about today, David? Well, Nessa, I think you're going to like today's topic. I was driving into work listening to episode one and I concluded that if we didn't talk about dating fairly soon, your head might explode. Oh, I'm sure others as well. So I thought today we'd talk about dating and specifically non-Catholic dating. The situation where a Catholic is dating a non-Catholic. This has come up in conversation recently, so I thought it'd be a good thing to address. And this is quite a sensitive subject, so we'll try and handle it as delicately as possible. Girls, pull out your tissue boxes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think probably a good place to start is the question, why might someone want to date someone of their own religion and own denomination? Why they would or wouldn't? Why, why would they? Why would they? Well, for me, it's just convenient, I guess you could say. Like, I don't You're have to, You're too lazy to, like, to date somebody else? Like, I don't have to, like, missionary date the guy. Mm -hmm. He already knows the drill. <laughs> so we're already somewhat trained. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think being on the same page and, I mean, sharing the same basic worldview is, is a good place to start any friendship, let alone one, you know, a romantic one. But interestingly enough, I've actually known a few people who have made a conscious decision to date outside of their faith community. Ooh. With the ladies, it's usually because they've got really frustrated at the Catholic men uh, and their lack of initiative in asking them out. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> guys, you guys, don't be, don't be afraid. It, you know, the worst that could happen is she just says no. That's okay, because you can move on and ask me. Well, <laughs> you see, the funny thing is that the guys I know who have done this, it's usually because they've asked out Catholic girls, they've got rebuffed, or they've dated for a little while and then got dumped. And then they have to deal with the awkwardness of seeing that person at young adult events and maybe even having to share a pew with them. Well, that's like the beauty of it because that kind of like coincides with confession. Like you offended someone and then, <laughs> you know, after the Our Father, peace be with you. You I, know, I that's way, pretty I love awkward. the way you automatically blame the guy. Interesting. But, you know, that, that can certainly be, be awkward. And so there's a sense in which there's less pressure if you're if you're dating people who you don't have to see every Sunday. And I think sometimes guys are a little afraid of you know, causing scandal in the sense that, you know, they asked out one girl and they dated for a little while and then they ask out another girl at the same parish and oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, you guys, you're making it sound like it's a telenovela. <laughs> <laughs> I got a story, but it's not as dramatic as a telenovela. So I was at a Bible study and like the generation before mine, there was this, I guess, awesome guy who 
you could say he dated almost every single girl, or at least he asked her out. And I don't know if he went on a he first asked date. Out every or not. single girl in a Bible all, study. All but one. Oh, because burn. the last, the second to last, he ended up marrying. Oh. Happily married with kids. Oh, there you go. So it, it ended happily. Yeah, it did. But that, that takes some stones. It does. So I think to really address the question of dating non-Catholics, I think it really helps. I mean, what I always do is I always ask about the, what's the purpose of dating? What would you say? The purpose of dating? Mm-hmm. Marriage. Yeah. I, 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 th- I think it's kind of a no-brainer, but... But not just marriage, but also our goal is heaven. Ultimately. So let's mm. be saints and, you know, partners in crime towards sainthood, you know? Well, partners in sanctity. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think it's hard to get out of the logic that the purpose of dating is marriage. Um, and therefore, if you're going to talk about dating somebody, at least at the back of your mind, the question should be, could I marry this person? That's the point of dating. Now, I'm not suggesting that you come to your first date armed with color swatches for bridesmaids dresses or that the first topic of good conversation is how do you think your five children are going to fare in the whoa, current school whoa, district? Whoa. Yeah, that, that, might, that might scare people off. But I, I think it really helps frame the question about dating non-Catholics a little bit more clearly. Okay, following. I've met some people who have been under the impression that Catholics actually aren't even allowed to date anyone unless they're Catholic. That's tough. Well, it's also not true. Okay, I'm listening. The Catechism actually addresses the different kinds of marriages that a Catholic can be in. And it calls them by a couple of technical terms. It speaks about a mixed marriage, and that's between a Catholic and a non-Catholic Christian. So a Lutheran, a Methodist. And then there's what it calls disparity of cult. And that's where you've got a Catholic and a non-Christian. So a Catholic and a Muslim, a Catholic and a Buddhist. That's a tough word, cult. (laughs) Well, all cult means is worship. You actually can talk about the cult of the Catholic Church, Mm. the, the religious devotion. That's all that word means. So the Catechism speaks about this in paragraph 1634. I'll have a whack at it. All right, go for it. Okay. Difference of confession between the spouses does not constitute an insurmountable obstacle for marriage. So the catechism is saying that just because you're of a different confession, you're a different denomination, that's not an insurmountable obstacle. You can still get married. And that's what the confession means. Okay. When they succeed in placing in common what they have received from their respective communities and learn from each other the way in which each lives in fidelity to Christ. So it's basically saying that the, the, the success for marriage can largely depend upon the ability of each Christian, the Catholic and the non-Catholic, taking what they've learned from their, their, their own communities, their own denominations, and bringing that to the marriage. Okay. But the difficulties of mixed marriages must not be underestimated. So if you recall, mixed marriage is between a Catholic and a non-Catholic Christian. They arise from the fact that the separation of Christians has not yet been overcome. So this is talking about the division between Christians, the fact that, all, that there are all of these different denominations. Because of the separation, there is a potential for difficulty within, within their own marriage. You mean since the Reformation? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, the, spouse, the spouses risk experiencing the tragedy of Christian disunity even in the heart of their own home. That's awful. Yeah. 
Well, it, it's kind of heartbreaking. In the same way that there's pain in the body of Christ for the fact that we have all of these different denominations and we are not all Together. truly united yeah. and one around this, the same Eucharistic table, that can be mirrored in a, in a marriage between a Catholic and a non-Catholic. Disparity of cult can further aggravate these difficulties. So this isn't just between a Catholic and a non-Catholic Christian, but a Catholic and a non-Christian, so a, a Muslim or a, or, or a Buddhist. Disparity of cult can further aggravate these difficulties. Differences about faith and the very notion of marriage, but also different religious mentalities, can become sources of tension in marriage, especially as regards the education of children. The temptation to religious indifference can then arise. So saying that between a Catholic and a non-Christian, everything gets raised to the next level, and the differences in the faith can become tension within the marriage and particularly the very notion of marriage. What actually even is marriage? Are both parties coming to this marriage thinking that this is something that is indissoluble, that this is lifelong until death? If you marry someone who isn't even a Christian, they might have a very different notion of marriage. Yeah. And I mean, even if the other person is a Christian, there's even then not a guarantee that they're going to hold to the, the same belief about marriage. A lot of non-Catholic denominations don't really think that marriage is lifelong until and until death. So you can get divorced. Yeah. That was that was how <laughs> that was why Henry VIII started the Church of England. Oh. Well you would know that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the final sentence in that paragraph that speaks about a danger given all of these tensions that might exist within a marriage if religion is such is a taboo subject in faith that just in the end, there's religious indifference. That's awful, because then you choose your relationship over God. And the catechism isn't saying that this will definitely happen. It's just saying that it's a danger. I mean, we often speak of the, the church as our mother. All right, Mom, what you got? <laughs> I think the church gives us some really good motherly advice. It tells us what is possible, uh, that you, you, good marriages can be had between Catholics and non-Catholics. But it gives us some motherly warnings to be careful, and some things to look out for, because forewarned is forearmed. So when a friend comes to me and tells me about someone that they've met, and they're romantically interested in them, or maybe they've been asked out. Those are my favorite stories. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they tell me that that person isn't Catholic. Ooh. And what do I, what do I think about that? Well, what do you think about? I, I asked just some, I asked first of all that question, you know, what's the, what's the purpose in dating? You know, and it's, it's ultimately marriage. And therefore, I pose some hypotheticals, particularly around the wedding itself, their, how they would practice their religion as a couple, and also about children and family life. Dude, I wish I had you when I was dating my first boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people might think that it's a bit much to be asking these questions, but I think it's really useful because it gets us to think very realistically about the relationship. Well, yeah, because you don't want to invest your emotions into this person if it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. And also, particularly if you're not sure where you might have to compromise. So, for example, I mean, weddings are stressful enough, but would your family be okay if you got married somewhere other than a Catholic church and in a Catholic mass? My family would. We have, like, so many denominations. It's, we're practically American. <laughs> <laughs> But you see, some, some families, that's going to be a huge deal. And you yourself might not think it's a huge deal, but it's going to be a source of stress in the, in the, in the marriage. 
And also marriage preparation. You know, we've said that not all religions and not all denominations have the same view of marriage. So who's going to do that? Will they be teaching that marriage is free, total, faithful, and fruitful? And then religious practices as a couple. Are you going to go to two different churches? So go to Catholic Mass and then go to somewhere else? Mm-mm, I or did that. Are you going to just go to Mass by yourself, say, on the Saturday vigil? And if that's going to be the case, are you okay with that? Uh, You're bringing up horrible memories. (laughs) As the the Catechism pointed out, this becomes particularly important when you come to the subject of children. The Catholic Church has very strong views about contraception. Is your future spouse going to be okay with no contraception? NFP, guys. If you don't know it, you need to look that up. <laughs> we might be brave at some point and do an episode on NFP. Ooh, I would love to hear your opinion we'll, on we'll, that. We'll, we'll get some nurses. Okay, on. next episode. Abortion. If you find that you're pregnant with a child who might possibly have Down syndrome, is your spouse going to be trying to convince you to have an abortion? And then when you have these children and you start raising them and teaching them, what exactly are you going to teach them? Will it be like a lowest common denominator kind of Christianity that you can both agree on? But even if you do that, there's going to come a point when the children will say, why does dad go to mass and mom go to that church down the street? Yeah, you're making a child choose. Mm -hmm. Or asking some important questions like, uh, was Mary sinless? One parent is going to say yes, the other one's going to say no. Oh, that's awful. Poor child. It's not that any of these are insurmountable, but I think these are good questions to ask yourself early on so you know what you might possibly have to deal with, and also what you might have to compromise on. I don't know. For me, it's important for parents to both be on the same page and to work together as a family than Mm -hmm. separate. Well, as the catechism said, it's just not that good marriages aren't possible. And I can speak for myself. I know Catholics and non-Catholics who are married, and they have wonderful marriages. And Bob Hope, he married a Catholic, and he built a church for his wife in LA and it's gorgeous. It looks better than the cathedral here in San Diego. It's in North Hollywood, I believe. So there you go, guys. If you want to impress your wife, build her a church. Yes. Yes. You hear that? If you're not a Catholic but you're a Christian, make me a church. No, I'm joking. Sorry, David, continue. No problem. But yeah, it's not that good marriages are impossible if one person's Catholic and the other person is something else. I know many couples who have wonderful marriages and who I think are icons of grace and seeing the way that they are together and negotiate some very tricky issues is kind of inspiring. Can you give an example? Because I feel like our audience needs examples of what could be said. Well, I I think primarily it's through being respectful of each other's faith tradition. So particularly, say, when you're having those difficult conversations with the children when they ask these questions about what is the Eucharist? to be able to speak respectfully about the other parent's beliefs. All of those conversations can be very difficult, but they can also be handled with grace. They're like any, any difficult topic or any tension within a marriage. They can be handled better or they can be handled worse. And the catechism gives us the key to doing it, taking what you've got from your tradition and your fidelity to Christ and bringing that to this marriage to treating each other with dignity, respect, gentleness, and love. And also, this isn't to say that marriages between Catholics are issue-free, even around some of these particular issues, around the raising of the kids, 
um, the, their education, the marriage, the religious practice of the couple. There's conflict in any kind of marriage. It's just that between the Catholic and the non-Catholic, there are just some very particular challenges. Hey, David, can I ask you something? Sure. Have you ever dated a non-Catholic? I have. I actually oh, dated, I dated a non-Catholic Christian for several years. And it's kind of funny because I think if you had listened to this podcast up until now, you would think that I would definitely be very anti somebody dating a non-Catholic. But I've got to say, it was an immensely encouraging time in my life. And she really encouraged me in my Christian faith, particularly what? when it came to prayer and service of others. When we'd pray together, I would hear the way she spoke to God. And I wanted the kind of relationship she had with God for myself. How did you talk to God? Just beautifully. There was awe and intimacy, a real friendship. There was, there was something in her spiritual life that I found very attractive. She had a relationship with Christ. Very, very clearly. It wasn't very clearly. just... And she was also, she was really the person that taught me to pray out loud, extemporaneously, you know, off the cuff. Something that Catholics are traditionally not very good at. No. But it was through her that I got over myself <laughs> <laughs> and learned to be able to pray to God in that way. So we really grew together and we were in ministry together, several, several different ministries. And there were, on occasion, tensions that related to the Catholic-Protestant divide. Like one time we went to her church, and I still wanted to go to Mass afterwards. But all in all, I would say that our friendship was very grace-filled. I really just can't exaggerate the effect that she had on my walk with God. And she certainly set a very high bar for any future girlfriend. So that was the non-Catholic Christian that I dated. And I have <laughs> dated... so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> And I have also dated some non-Christians, but never for more than like a date or two. Because I've always come to realize that faith isn't just part of my life. It permeates all parts of my life. And the thought of not really being able to share that dimension of my life with a date with my girlfriend, with my wife, that just seemed kind of inconceivable. So yeah, those, those never went beyond about date one or two. How about yourself? Have you ever dated a non-Catholic? Yes. Well, non-practicing Catholic. Okay. Um, I, I faced a lot of obstacles with it. Once we got over, I guess, the honeymoon stage, which is apparently like the first two months of the relationship. When, when love is going to save everything. <laughs> yeah. And so um, going to Mass was um, a big obstacle because one night we were out shopping and we're checking out some stores. It was my first time going to REI. It was really cool. And then it was 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock was coming around the corner. And he never, like, stopped to say, hey, you know, we should go to Mass because 5 o'clock is, like, the last Mass. And so I just, I just left. I didn't tell him where I was going. I was just really <laughs> sad. And he was just puzzled. And so I went to Mass alone. Definitely, I saw it as a foreshadowing of the future. And I'm like, this is not what I want. Mm -hmm. And it broke my heart. And were there tensions other than that? Oh, yeah, like praying the rosary or confession. Confession was a big one. They didn't understand why we had to confess to a guy. See, I, I've actually had one of my friends say that he actually quite liked dating non-Catholics because they would offer these challenges and it would keep him on his toes faith-wise. I thought he was crazy. So I'm seeing time tick down. So let's try and draw this together a little. 
For me, when somebody tells me about a guy or a girl that they've just met and they're thinking of dating and they're not Catholic, I tell them, sure, go for it. But do it with your eyes open. Know what you might have to compromise and decide early on whether or not you're okay with that. Because it really frustrates me when we have that conversation and they tell me, oh no, everything's fine, everything's great, they're cool with it. And then we then get a year or two down the line. Marriage is now on the cards. And my friend is starting to get frustrated that they don't want to go to Mass. They don't want to get married in the Catholic Church. They, that they are not okay with, uh, with being open to life in marriage. And I remember, it was, it was a little while ago, I was hanging out with one of my female Catholic friends. We were, we were driving back from an event. And she told me, that she hadn't prayed her rosary that day, and would she mind if we prayed it in the car on the way back? So I said, sure. Now, earlier the day, in the day, she told me about this really cute guy who she had met. He wasn't Christian, but she really liked him. And after we had finished praying the rosary, I couldn't help but comment, if you end up marrying this guy, be prepared for never being able to do what you and I just did, to be able to pray that rosary together. Mm. I'm not saying don't, don't, don't pursue things with him. But be aware that this is a very distinct possibility. Yeah. And if you're not okay with that, decide that now, not later. Because you can hurt now or you can hurt later. And if you hurt later, it will be many, many times worse. Yeah, if you can't share your intimacy with Christ, with your spouse, then you're going to be very, you're going to be walking this journey alone. Mm -hmm. More than you know. And don't go into a relationship or the marriage with the expectation of them changing. Going into a marriage with the expectation of somebody changing is a disaster. Yeah, I tried that. It didn't work. <laughs> I would never tell somebody that they should never date a non-Catholic. But speaking personally, I think I'd like to stack the deck as much as possible. If I end up getting married, I want my future marriage to be composed of two people who love God more than they love each other. Yeah, that they're joined in the sacraments, that they pray together daily. It blows my mind when I hear of couples that don't pray together daily. In my marriage, I'd want to raise my kids to love Jesus and love his church. And ultimately, I want all of us to be in heaven. And this was really solidified for me when I read the writings of a guy called Tertullian. I've mentioned before my great love for the early church. And this guy lived in about the second century. And he was married, and he wrote to his wife, and you can find these documents under the title Ad Uxorum. And I'd like to wrap up this episode with this, because I think Tertullian gives us a real vision of what a good Catholic marriage can look like. How beautiful, then, the marriage of two Christians, two who are one in hope, one in desire, one in the way of life they follow, one in the religion they practice. They are brother and sister both servants of the same master. Nothing divides them, either in flesh or spirit. They are, in very truth, two in one flesh. And where there is but one flesh, there is also but one spirit. They pray together, they worship together, they fast together, instructing one another, encouraging one another, strengthening one another. Side by side, they face difficulties and persecution, share their consolations. They have no secrets from one another, they never shun each other's company, they never bring sorrow to each other's hearts. Psalms and hymns they sing to one another. 
Hearing and seeing this, Christ rejoices. To such as these he gives his peace. Where there are two together, he also is present. And where he is, there evil is not. Mm, that's so pretty. Yeah, isn't that lovely? Put that on a card. <laughs> well, I, I hear those words of Tertullian, and all I can think is, that's what I want. So, good episode. So, Nessa, what are you up to this week? I'm going to go feed the homeless with my friends during the week. Excellent. Yeah, I've, and, I've been to that. It's downtown, right? Yeah. And um, potentially meet a new roommate. We'll see if she's the one. So, David, what are you up to this weekend? This weekend is Steubenville. So for those of you who don't know, Steubenville is a, it's a series of com- conferences that happen all around the states for teens. And here in San Diego, we actually also have one for the younger young adults. People 18. between 18 and 23, I think. Ish. 23-ish. That's 20, what it says online. 23-ish. But they get uh, bands, bands fly in. They have some fantastic speakers coming up. And I've served on the team. He, that he does celebrity babysitting. That's what he does. <laughs> Yes, I, uh, I pick up the speakers in the band from the airport and take them to and from the hotel and make sure they get to all of the relevant halls when they're giving their workshops. It's, I'm a glorified cat herder. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you everyone for listening. Uh, please like, share, subscribe, write us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Any questions? Yep, any questions? Um, and also, this has been a somewhat controversial topic. I'm sure some people will think that we've gone too far. Other people will think we haven't gone far enough. So please feel free to contact us. You can do that either through the website, restlesspilgrim.net, or you can tweet us at David and Nessa. You made us for yourself, O oh Lord. And our hearts will wander restless until we rest in you. All you holy angels and saints, pray for us. Pray for us.